Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. And hello, everyone. I know it's been a while, but uh, the Red Raider Podcast is back. I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. With some good friends of mine, David Collier of KMAC. You may know him as the sports director. He's on TV. He's that TV guy on the big scoreboard at Jones AT&T Stadium as well. Then, of course, Keith Patrick. He works with, uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Keith, I apologize. Is it uh, the, the, the Red Raider Dugout? Yeah, Is that's that it, Red Raider Dugout. Again, I apologize. It's been a long day, a lot of meetings, so my, my, my brain's kind of fried. But I'm a big fan of what you do too, Carlos. I, I appreciate that. I know people... <laughs> At the Lubbock Amarillo yeah, Hilltop. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember something. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's in print and digital. So, but yeah. oh, you, you guys do a good job with the Red Raider dugout. He does a podcast. You can obviously check them out. We'll get to that information at the end of the show. But uh, just to kind of give you all a little bit of a summary of what we're going to talk about, it's been a while since we've kind of talked just Red Raider baseball, Red Raider anything. I thought it'd be a great chance to get three perspectives of the baseball team, how the season's gone and kind of things unraveled after some injuries and some other things. But off the top of uh, my head, considering the regionals coming up this weekend today, we are recording this on Tuesday, I guess, uh, just from your perspective, Keith, because you've kind of been there kind of watching some games with me, I guess, did you kind of foresee a national eight seed for Texas Tech the way that they finished? I know everyone's going to focus on winning those three straight series at the end of the at the end of the regular season, but were, were there other reasons that you felt like, okay, maybe there was something that made you feel they're not a top eight seed? You know, somebody asked me if they got a national seed, if I thought they were that number best team in the country. And, uh, and maybe it was you, Carlos, I don't remember, but I, I didn't think it would happen, especially with the big 12 tournament. I think there was a lot of conversation about Hey, you know, the majority of the season meant more than just those those few days in Oklahoma City, which I don't disagree with that either. But when you had some really tight races for those TCU in particular, I was a little surprised. But I think the big you know question or the big surprise or snub out of that was Notre Dame not getting a national seed. And I think we were all assuming that Notre Dame would have that. They ran away with the ACC. They won it by five games. And so I think there was an assumption that they would be one, which would then have bumped Tech down. And so I think them not getting the national seed is Tech was kind of last in as far as getting that number eight. And so, yeah, I think I was a little surprised. Listen to the national guys. They're a little grumpy about it. D1 baseball went so far as to throw Kirby Hokut under the bus and say, hey, Tech has a guy in the room that always helps. You know, now I'm not a guy that wants to impugn his uh, character, you know, yeah. and say he's tipping the scales because I don't think that's who he is, but um, it has over time played out that way a little bit. When you have somebody on the committee, it doesn't hurt your school. And so, yeah, I'm a little surprised. I think that uh, they scuffled a little bit. They needed to make some noise in Oklahoma city or we thought they did. And they were head to head with a team that 
looked like they were in line for a national seed and they fell apart late in the regular season in TCU. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a surprise for me. I mean, a happy surprise for anybody that likes to watch baseball in Lubbock, but you know, it was a surprise nonetheless. Even I know it's a stat that we talk about and kind of bring up every once in a while, but Texas tech hasn't won a big 12 title since 2018. So certainly the results at the Big 12 tournament aren't really a surprise sometimes when maybe Texas Tech kind of goes one, two, or three games, and then they're kind of out. But in terms of what they were able to do, they got some guys on the mound. They got some hitters, their work, so to speak. But for you, did you kind of feel like that TCU-Texas Tech game may have uh, may have tipped the scales in any way, or do you kind of feel like everything was good and you kind of felt like Texas Tech was just kind of looking to kind of get, get some inning in get some innings in part of me and get some batters, some, some at bats, those three games. Yeah. I was kind of, I would say a little weary that they might not get one of those top seeds to go back on Keith's thing real quick. I think, I think we would all agree, you know, the fact that Notre Dame potentially wasn't going to allow as many people at their regional, at least from my understanding that that might've played a big part. You, you Do you go to Lubbock where, you know, it's going to be 100% and it's going to be sold out the entire time. Or do you go somewhere where they might not have uh, put in as big a bid? So that was part of it there. But to go back to the other thing, I thought that they certainly were worthy. If you look at some of their wins this year, certainly, obviously, the losses at the beginning of the year against teams that also are hosting regionals didn't help their case. But, uh, yeah, I think the one thing that concerned me more than anything, yeah, you wanted to see team or players, pitchers get work on the mound and whatnot. But the work that they got, I don't think is exactly what uh, – Matt Gardner and maybe Tim Tadlock wanted to see going into a regional. If anything, maybe they just <laughs> got that bad mojo out of the way in Oklahoma city. And like you said, their, their results in Oklahoma city mean absolutely nothing as far as postseason success. They went, they went three and two there. What in 19, that was by far uh, Tim's most successful trip to Oklahoma city. So well, and he said as much, sorry, Carlos, he said as much in the last uh, post-game availability that we were on, you know, that you don't go out there to play to the detriment of the next weekend, you know, so you know they're thinking about it. Uh, this just happened to be one of those years where you thought, hey, maybe we do need to play for something here, but obviously the committee felt a little bit differently. So I guess with that in mind, obviously this is David Collier from KMEC, as you just heard, and then uh, Keith Patrick from the Red Raider Dugout, redraiderdugout.com. We're talking about the Texas Tech baseball season and just the number eight seed. But with all that in mind, fellas, with them getting a number eight seed, national seed, to where you are hosting a regional in Lubbock, you're potentially hosting a super regional if you get past there. Do you feel like this could be – I know this is kind of in the moment, so to speak. So maybe it, it looks a little bit better than maybe uh, it should at, at this point in time, but could this be Tim Tadlock's best coaching season just based on some of the guys that he's lost? When you look at an Austin Becker, you look at a Hunter Dobbins, you look at Dylan Noisy. Um, I, I can keep on going. Kurt Wilson, Jacob, uh, Jacob Brustowski. Someone stop me, please. <laughs> Tim would have loved to stop you at the beginning of the year before the season started, I think. Correct. Correct. But, but, but I guess j j just on that, David, I guess just in terms of all the guys they lost and they were still able to, again, this is something to kind of look at. And I think people forget when you look at that first series in Arlington and you look at the teams that were in there, everyone looked at, Oh, they started 0 and three for the first time in forever. But you look at those teams, they are all national seeds uh -huh. for the most part, a majority team so Tim Tadlock knows that you have to play good teams throughout the season they swept Gonzaga yeah. a team 
was looking at a regional host. I mean, you look at some of the teams where initially, and it's funny because I think Tadlock even mentioned it after the, the Gonzaga series, but it's like, this is going to be a good team and they're going to really help us in the RPI. And he mentioned that afterward. And obviously those things came true. And I think that goes to your point, David, about RPI doing well. Yes. There are some other factors as well with COVID happening the last year or so, but I think that the, the big thing for Texas tech right now, and just to kind of, let you kind of speak on this, but just in terms of what they were able to do without some of these big names that you were expecting to be in the lineup and in the rotation, what has what, what Tim Tadlock been able to do? Yeah, as far as the, the best coaching thing, I I hesitate to say that just for the, the fact that I know the caliber of athletes that they have here in this program now are, and this is no slight to that first group that he took to Omaha. I, I think that'll always be the favorite just because it was the first, right? And it seems like nobody expected that group to do what they did. And they were pretty dominant on the mound on their way to getting to Omaha. Of course, you didn't get the result in Omaha, but that was a pretty uh, impressive run with, I mean, they did get help clearly with Florida losing their regional and getting to host uh, college of Charleston, but yeah, but what they were able to do is you mentioned it, Hunter Dobbins. I mean, how many people can lose a guy that potentially was going to be your Friday night guy from the get go and not have him. And I think we've seen uh, Jacob's uh, certainly missing in the bullpen. And I, I think it's funny. I mean, I don't want to say we forget Dylan, but I mean, at times the way the lineups worked, uh, it's, it's helped you forget Dylan, but I'll say this. I, I would much rather have Dylan in the, in that lineup. And Tim's kind of talked about the whole one through nine thing a lot lately. And I think there's, that's a big reason is you're missing a guy like Dylan and for them to still be able to do what they've done, to this point and get a national seed certainly is impressive. Just on that point, Keith, going back to a year where everyone felt like there was a really good team that didn't get to the CWS. Everyone kind of remembers the Sam Houston state Mm -hmm. uh, game and that regional, that, that that was a really, really good team there. But in terms of your perspective, Keith, kind of watching the team kind of covering it as well. What, What have you felt Tim's been able to do this year with this team? I know, Again, in the moment, the question has to be, is it his best coaching uh, performance so far, or do you kind of just feel it's, it's just something that he's kind of been accustomed to now? You know, uh, my knee-jerk reaction is it is one of his best performances, if not the best. And I agree with David that you're nostalgic about 14. Um, and you also kind of had, you know, what's the story? This ragtag group with nobodies, you know, it's a great movie, like making it to the CWS. Uh, but they really weren't a lot of, highly touted dudes, you know, and now you have dudes up and down. Uh, But that's why you're in the position you're in because they've been able to continue piecing the team together and getting guys going like Nate Rombach coming on late and um, pushing pitchers in that weren't, you know, quite ready that become big pieces. But like you mentioned, Dobbins, and I feel like it's a guarantee he was your Friday night starter in in Arlington. Uh, Austin Becker probably vying for a starting spot. You lost him last summer, you know, and so that was the first of them. Prostowski was going to be huge. Um, and then now, of course, Birdsell as well has been out with the rotator cuff. And so um, that's all huge. And then Dylan Noisy, preseason player of the year in the Big 12, um, may not see him in a Red Raider uniform again. Uh, Dobbins too, you know, and these are guys that uh, I think Dobbins was going to be a surprisingly high draft pick. And could still be, you know, depending on what teams want to want to take over his um, rehab, you know, and take care of him going forward. But all that to say, I mean, the fact that you've kept a competitive team on the field, and I think that something interesting looking at this schedule up and down, this may go down kind of in history as 
a schedule that was the most stacked as far as teams making the postseason. You know, you mentioned Gonzaga, UConn, South Florida is a four seed in the Gainesville Regional. Um, K-State and Baylor are both kind of being viewed as snubs. Baylor was a first out. Um, but you just have some really excellent opponents that you've had, and, and it's been a frustrating year up and down for Tech fans with the way things have gone in some ways. But, yeah, I've been very impressed. And to be totally honest, just projecting a little bit myself, I feel like we've seen Coach Tadlock be a little tired at times. He looks – there was a couple of times he looked a little beat down. Um, and I think it was just a weight of constantly trying to figure this thing out and, and keep pieces moving around because it's – you know, you're used to with this team, I think, over the last few years with the level of talent. There's a group – you know, we even say sometimes you could field another top 25 team out of guys that aren't on the field. And this year, it, it's a lot thinner than that. And yeah, I agree with you too, Carlos. Dylan Noisy gets lost in the mix a little bit because he went out quick and he was gone. And he's definitely out for the season. Um, I'm still hopeful that a couple of those names will be back. You know, And don't forget too, you lost Drew Baker for a couple of weeks in the season. And you've also been having to kind of musical chairs some guys. I mean, we just saw Cole Stilwell in the conference tournament moving to third base, you know? And so... Um, it, it kind of reminiscent of when uh, Gabe Holt at the end of the season moves out to right field. I think that was in 2018. You know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a little bit of that starting even on Friday. It's funny you bring that up because Coach Tadlock always seems to bring up this term. They're all ball players. They're going to play where you put them. And again, it goes to the point that you just brought up. But Braxton Fulford has played third to kind of put another bat somewhere else when maybe uh, – Parker Kelly's not, you know, feeling it for for a game or so. And then you get Nate Romback, either a catcher, just to kind of give you something there. I know obviously you lose a bit of a, a bit of defense there, but again, it goes to like what you said, Tim Tadlock and his coaching staff have really had to weigh some things throughout the season. But to David's point, kind of like the ragtags, you lose a Dylan Noisy preseason Big 12 player of the year, but then all of a sudden you find some guy named Jace Young that is now your big 12 player of the year. He's been really your rock in terms of this offense. And now, as you mentioned, Drew Baker stepped up after that lower leg. I want to say hamstring injury, if I'm not mistaken, maybe or cat yeah. or quad. Thank you. Yes. Uh, when, when he hurt that, and then all of a sudden he was kind of hitting as well in terms of what they have now, when you kind of look at this regional where you're playing army at 11 AM, you've got North Carolina, UCLA and that other, and that other game as well in this double elimination tournament, what are you kind of expecting from Texas Tech now that I don't want to put it in this term, but it's like now this is what you've worked for. Not, not, not necessarily like, like the games count. I know a lot of people would say that, but but this is what they've worked for. This is where you are. This is, again, not to demean the Big 12 tournament, but again, the results there don't matter. The results here now matter because you're trying to get to the CWS. If you want to I mean, I think here. that this is a program and the players – hint at it and say it outright. I mean, the expectation is to win a national championship. That's, that's what they're there for. And so you see them having, you know, speaking pretty bluntly after things like that Baylor series loss, and you see them really trying to focus and dig in and grind and whatever it may be. All the while you have coaches trying to show them to play loose and, you know, keep playing baseball and work your way through and all that. So, um, yeah, I do think it means a little more. Um, I think that you're going to face an Army team that's not faced a top 50 RPI team all season. Um, they're 6-6 six and six on neutral sites. They're 12-11 and 11 away. And, you know, they don't bring a ton of things to the field that the Red Raiders should be too afraid of. 
not that it's the same, but you know, the last you faced an army team in 19, uh, in the regional and yes. from 11 to two in that opening game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that, that you might see this team explode a little bit on Friday. That would be the hope, you know, and to set the tone and to be quite honest with the bullpen being really young and needing to grow, you need those blowout games to work your way out of a regional. You can't get into a bunch of shootouts. And I think these guys will know that too. And they'll want to get those bats rocking and rolling um, early on to set the tone for the weekend. Um, but yeah, I think, and that kind of goes to a bigger conversation, but I always kind of marvel at expectations, you know, and, and you look back at what this program was, which was not unsuccessful. And now all of a sudden it, and, and I fall right into it. 2017 feels like a failure. You won the big 12 championship and you went to a regional and hosted it. Um, but you didn't get out of it. And so that was a problem. You know, that's the expectation now. So with that in mind, David, uh, Texas Tech playing a team, as Keith alluded to, that's familiar to them back in 2019. In terms of what you're expecting from Texas Tech, I know Keith mentioned you'd like to get things going in terms of that. But I think the one elephant in the room I think that we can all agree on is a long regional may hurt Texas Tech just because of that pitching depth. And I don't know if that's the same way you feel about this to where if you do get those big time uh, runs in innings, I guess, what, what are you kind of hoping for Texas Tech to, to kind of get against Army this week? Uh, it's the same thing Keith says. And, and history shows when they've hosted these regionals, they've been able to win that first game, usually pretty handily. And I think you need to, they beat Army, what, 11 to two in 2019. You want, you want to do that all over again. Uh, and like Keith said, if you can get whoever, I mean, that's the biggest question to me, who they throw out there first. Are they going to go Monteverde? But whoever is out there, I would imagine you want to get as many innings out of them as possible and then hopefully be able to use some of the arms that you don't necessarily need to rely on. That, uh, the, the, the smallest amount of use of that bullpen as possible in that first game because you don't know what you're dealing with. And plus, you're, you're playing an Army. I mean, I think Army – averages more than six runs a game, but Keith alluded to it, maybe not against the greatest competition. They're not going to hit the ball out of the ballpark unless the wind's blowing out. They've only hit 26 home runs all season. I mean, Jace is nipping at their heels by himself. So uh, hopefully you're not in a game where you're having to come back against Army because that could that would not bode well for your pitching staff the rest of the uh, regional. So I guess for both of you, just looking at this regional, I know everyone's going to be looking at the the big names now, the North Carolina, UCLA, UCLA coming in with a great record, North Carolina, maybe not so much if, if you're kind of looking at it, but I think that the one thing that can be taken away is that's going to be the game to where that's where you're going to get your litmus test for Texas tech. I, I, I if we're being honest here. So I guess, Keith, when you kind of look at North Carolina and UCLA, I think the one thing that sticks out to me is their pitching. Um, when you look at both of those things, in terms of what Texas Tech has in the lineup, do you think that's enough to get them to the CWS? Or, again, maybe that's too forward thinking, but just get them out of this regional compared to maybe, uh, again, if, if it goes into a long series, then I totally understand where that comes from. But do you think the, the hitting right now to where – it was before maybe that big 12 tournament. Do you think that's enough, especially when they do play at home to get them out of this regional? You know, I think that this tech offense, when they're humming and when you're, when the lower third of that order are, you know, kind of figured out and doing what they need to be doing. I think that they could probably beat just about any staff. And, 
Uh, you know, you go way back to the first game of the season. Tech's one of the few teams all year that had a lead on Arkansas and that scored on their ace. And so even then, uh, it was it was evident that was there. And really, uh, as far as team ERA, these two teams are really close, UCLA and, and Texas Tech, both ranked like between 32 and 41, you know, in the country. And so they're not way off ERA-wise. Um, but I will say, and I don't want to go backwards, but one thing about Army um, they, one of their biggest statistical categories is sacrifice bunning. And so a small ball team is not something you've seen a whole lot of. Um, and so that's, I think something that could test Texas tech. I'm not saying that wins the game on Friday morning, but I think that it could test them and you can get you out of your comfort zone for sure. And I think the most important part about that is the fact that, look, we've, we've seen some issues fielding the ball from time to time and that snowballs to that pitching staff. You get in their head, then they end up walking a guy. Then, you know, they're, they they got to go to the bullpen a lot errors. quicker. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it could snowball really quick and maybe not lead to a loss against Army, but that hurts you moving forward the rest of the regional. So it's funny you guys mentioned that because it comes to my next point is I know everyone's going to talk about Jace. I know everyone's going to talk about Dylan just because of what he was going into the season. Everyone's going to talk about Drew because of what he – came in and was able to help at the top of that lineup, just be that spark. But do you almost feel like Cal Conley and Braxton Fulford aren't being talked about as much as they should? Because I feel like Braxton has been a guy behind the plate that has really been a steady, calming voice for some of this pitching staff when you really do need a veteran voice for all these freshmen. And some of these guys that are literally, I remember there were times where I would just tell uh, Keith in the press box, this guy's making his first appearance all year. And it's like, you know, 20 games in how important do you feel Braxton's been just being that calming voice uh, Keith to the pitchers and just how important has Cal Conley been especially during that back-to-back-to-back where he was able to get that big home run for them earlier in the year I mean he's well first of all he's beginning to be talked about more because of the power and that's just how it goes with catchers I mean you can be you can be great on the base paths but you got to hit some home runs to kind of get people kind of get in the conversation. I feel like he's jumping up draft boards with the power right now, but I, I think you made the point. I mean, him managing this young staff, the fact that he's the everyday guy once again back there and, and they've worked him out a little bit to give him some rest. You know, you don't want him completely worn down and, and Stillwell and Rombacker are, are definitely serviceable back there. Just not as good defensively as him. I don't think there's any question about that, but yeah, he's a, uh, he's incredibly important to this team. And yeah, isn't it crazy how Cal Conley is flying under the radar? I mean, he's, he's one of the best shortstops in the country. He's does, he does Derek Jeter stuff over there and it's kind of crazy to watch sometimes. And he's, he's been exceptional um, and just, and maybe it's just overshadowing from, you know, other names on the team, but uh, those guys are extremely important. I think that probably the most important person walking into the postseason for me is whoever's going to step up. Is it Kurt Wilson coming back? Is it Cole Stillwell kind of lighting on fire? Is it who's who's going to be Zach Reams? You know that, and I'm not saying it's all home runs, but who's the bat that's going to really take a step forward? Is it Romback continuing because he's been pretty hot? Um, whoever that is will be very important, I think, to this to this Tech lineup overall. That's interesting you bring that up because that was going to be my next point uh, once David kind of gets through his guys. But just David, I know you've covered him during high school. It makes us feel old, but. Braxton, just how how much better of a player defensively has he become? Because I know that was one of the things that was 
really bugging him early. I know he had a he had a couple games where maybe there'd be a pass ball that got through him and that cost him a game, or sometimes he'd overthrow a, a a throw that he was trying to get someone at second. Now he's kind of been that guy that you don't really throw or you don't really run on him because he's been that guy. And then to Keith's point, yeah, Cal Conley's been that guy with the bat, but there have been a couple games where he tries to do that crazy Jared Derek Jeter throw and he makes those errors that cost you a game or cost you a, a crooked inning. So I think from my perspective, I think that's one thing you have to kind of figure out is when will you kind of have that no error game, which certainly has happened more, more often than not for Texas tech, but who are some guys that you kind of feel are either underrated or guys that can kind of step up for you. Uh, along those uh, Cal Conley lines, uh, very similar to a Cameron Blair, Keith Patrick might agree with a little bit there with the glove, a great bat, sometimes kind of questionable with the glove. Um, but yeah, no, to, to the Braxton point, I mean, that just comes with the experience. I mean, there's a reason that Tim Tadlock is, uh, has so much uh, uh, trust in him behind the plate, and he's had trust in him from his days in Monterey. I think I've told you this story before in the past, but I remember whenever we were talking to Tim about a recruiting class, and we mentioned other catchers in that class, and he made sure, not on camera, but afterwards, to say something about, "Hey, this guy in Lubbock's pretty good too. Don't forget Braxton; he's gonna, he's gonna pan out, and he's gonna be a good guy behind the plate." So Tim knew about him long ago, and I don't think that was just him talking up the local guy. I think that was him believing in what Braxton could be down the road. And for Cal, I mean, that's just the you know getting the experience and you know learning from the mistakes, and hopefully that something that uh, comes to fruition here in the postseason pretty quickly for him. But I, I, Keith mentioned it, the guy for me, and there's a couple guys, man, if you could get Kurt Wilson back in the lineup, I mean, his bat and just, and I'm not just saying the OSU home run, but the guy has a clutch gene in him. And if you, he, he lives for that postseason at bat just as much as anybody else, but Nate, seeing Nate do what he did, I know it was just home runs, but if you're, if you're telling me I can get, two home runs from Nate this weekend in this regional, man, that makes me feel a lot better about how things are going. So he would be a guy, if he could continue to hit like he did in Oklahoma city, that would be a guy I think that would help uh, at, at the bottom part of that lineup. Well, I feel like he had three, three RBI games in a row, if I remember right. But one of those in the middle, I think was a double. If I, I mean, I think he had an extra base hit, not just a home run. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And, I feel like Brax is another one of those clutch gene kind of guys. And he really reminds me of Brian Klein from the bat standpoint. I mean, just always seems to find a way to come up with something you need. This year, it's just been a few more home runs. Um, and he will get tested. That was I was kind of digging up while you guys were talking, too. Um, Army is 31st in the country in stolen bases. And so there's that small ball, but also in Texas Tech's ninth. And so for comparison for you, but. Um, I think that's something you struggled with against TCU. They are just a really good base stealing club. And so that can be something else that can test both Brax and just the, the infield defense, you know, and, and unforced error is something you certainly don't want to start getting yourself into because they, with this team seem to be um, like a, a flu that they catch around there and, and it can be very frustrating. But one thing that can catch fire, as you guys well know, is home runs. And uh, Nate Rombach has certainly been a guy that has hit home runs. He has 12 RBIs, I believe, in his last five games. And to your point, Keith, he did have those three straight three RBI games, and he had two, and then he had one. So he's had at least one RBI in his last five games. So that's something to at least look forward to in terms of 
what Nate Rombeck has been able to to do. And I think here's one point that, that I'll kind of finish off before we just kind of give our final thoughts. But Tim mentioned this a little bit in passing at the beginning of the year to where he felt like it would be a while before this team would look like a team because of all the missed time due to COVID. And I think now you're starting to see some of these guys figure it out, whether that's Nate Romback, maybe Cal Conley has kind of found his, you know, streak, so to speak. I know you can look at Jace Young and say, well, what, what, what kind of came with him? Sometimes there are just guys that figure it out a little bit quicker. And I think that's something to, to kind of be told. And I don't know if y'all feel the same way about it, but I think right now, the way that this team is playing, I know you don't have some of the costs that you were expecting to have, but I think now you're seeing a overall team compared to maybe a team that's built around some quote unquote stars or standouts, if you will. I think now you've got an overall team to where if you can make sure that the bullpen isn't taxed, I think you have a good chance to, to, to make a deep postseason run. And I don't know if you kind of want to start off with that, Keith. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And and I think the the thing about, college baseball is it all comes down so much to timing. And I think early season, we're used to seeing Tim Tadlock teams take some lumps and have bad trips. You know, the, the trip to Kentucky and then going to Baylor after a few years ago, you know, I think of that and, and how bad all that was. And then there's bad weather on top of it. But what happened that year was Zach Reams got hot against Baylor and earned a spot, and then the team took off. And every year, there's some sort of inflection point, moving Josh Young to shortstop. You know, there's something that kind of finds the magic mix. And I feel like this is one of those years where it's happening maybe a little bit later, but they're they're peaking, and, and everybody's kind of starting to put some things together. And we may see some defensive changes, um, you know, as far as a result of that and whose bats have been working and who's available and some of that. But – yeah, I think that it's the right timing for that to happen. Now, if they can get out there and take care of business, start facing good pitching and and see what's going, but they've got every opportunity now. They're here in Lubbock. They're playing in the friendly confines. They have a full capacity crowd, um, and that's that's the atmosphere they thrive on. And so there's certainly an opportunity, and I think you're paired with the Stanford Regional to a fairly, um, you know, winnable um a fairly winnable situation if you do get yourself into a super um, and even a situation where Stanford could go down because UC Irvine was a little bit understated. So some opportunities there, you know, for them, but yeah, it all will come down to timing. And I think it's as good as it could be right now with, with what you've got, despite all the challenges. And that goes back to that, that coaching job conversation. David, with all this in mind, I guess for you, what, what do you feel Texas Tech is capable of right now? Because like Keith said, it, it's almost laid out for them. They've got a, a regional, potential super regional at home. So you're going to have your fans. You're not going to have to travel. You have all those things in mind. Yes, you are missing some star players, so to speak, but they figured out how to win. They've won series against Texas. They've won series against TCU. They've won series against Gonzaga. So they figured it out. But I guess for you, how does this regional set up for Texas Tech? And I guess from your perspective, what does Texas Tech have to do uh, to make sure that they're in a good position to win? And I'll kind of go to that uh, point as well to Keith after you're done there, David. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I think it just comes down to, as we mentioned earlier, you know, taking care of business in that first game, um, basically setting yourself up for more so Saturday and the rest of the way don't want to use much of the bullpen and kind of to go back on what you guys mentioned there, one person that I guess we haven't even mentioned during this whole process that 
you know, just another piece of the puzzle that has done some things as a guy, Easton Morrell. I mean, he, he, he got on base. I mean, he, I think he had a couple hits in one game, but in a couple of the other ones there in Oklahoma city, he was at least able to draw walks. And if you can uh, make the pitcher work on the mound like that and get two or three walks a game, he could, uh, he could certainly be somebody that could uh, provide some kind of spark here or there. I mean, he certainly did against Arkansas at the uh, college world series a couple of years ago, but yeah, I mean, if, if they, if they do what we've seen them do, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm not concerned with this regional because clearly UCLA is somebody to be concerned with, but it is set up great. And I know old Texas tech fans would, would, would be chomping at the bit to have Stanford come back to Lubbock, Texas and try to (laughs) get some, I can't remember what year that was off the top of my head. I just remember Kyle Peterson and I know Keith probably is sitting there frantically trying to think of which year it it was early nineties. It was, it was during the, uh, Larry Hayes heyday and they were so close to making the college world series then. But uh, yeah, I think that sets up for at least nostalgia wise, a a great storyline and a super regional if Texas tech can take care of business this weekend. So on that note, Keith, I guess, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I don't know what year it is. I was frantically Googling and I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> probably like 90, I mean, probably, I don't even remember when KB played. Probably 98, 97. That, that'd be what one of those. It, would have been. It, was, it was that window. It was in that yeah. era. Rice was one of those exits back then. But uh, anyway, we, Easton Morrell's a great point. And I think he's been huge. And I was also looking at stats real quick. And of course, home runs are the story. You know, that's what we're talking about. Tech's number seven in the country. They're ninth in slugging percentage, but they're sixth in base on balls. And so they have 309 walks. It's a huge part of their game. It's a huge part of their on-base percentage right now, uh, which they're 15th in. And so continuing that, and, and if you got, have guys struggling to hit, the fact that they'll get on no matter what or find a way, I think is is absolutely huge uh, for this team. But yeah, when it comes down to it, I mean, like I said before, I'll kind of finish with that. It It's as set up as, as good as it can be. But I do think you need somebody to step up and somebody to to hop up and, and claim something, whatever their spot is, their, their space, their role. Um, somebody's got to kind of get hot here uh, to add to the, the firepower. And I think that's big. And it may be a pitcher too. I mean, you could certainly use a bullpen arm that comes out and puts some things together that you've been waiting on because, you know, when we talked about that, not getting in a shootout and, and getting yourself as deep into a starter as you can, that the other side of that is saving Ryan Sublette as long as possible uh, and using him when it's most important. And so not Friday, I think is probably one of those um, and so some of those young guys coming in with a cushion and getting some really good long inning work in and trying, you know, to, to take a step forward because yeah, the time has come. The, uh, the Google champion here, by the way, is David Collier, 1995 was the year. Uh, Kyle Peterson struck out 11 that year. He's <laughs> always the nerd is always <laughs> appreciate you, David. But yeah, just to go to, to the walking note, uh, seven game or seven games where they've had double digits and in walks, including that 17 program record against Kansas. So certainly they're able to do that. And I think the other thing to kind of take away from Texas Tech is right now, again, they're in a position where they all expect it to be. So I think there's nothing shocking. It's not to where they're like, oh, we're surprised we got number eight seed. They probably expect it to be that. They expect it to be at home. And again, 
Should be a really good regional. Again, Texas Tech opens up at 11 a.m. with Army. And then, of course, the game after is going to be 6 p.m. If I'm not mistaken, both games will be on ESPNU and ESPN3, I believe, streamed or maybe ESPN+. Plus. I'm sure one of those things will have it. And that'll be at Dan Law Field at Rip Griffin Park. And, of course, you can get all your information at Red Raider Dugout. Dot com with Keith Patrick. And then, of course, you can check David Collier on TV. He's at some point at after six, I believe, on Fridays. I can't remember when, David, but you can check him out on Red Raider Nation and uh, KMAC as well. Appreciate both of you for taking the time out. I know we're obviously all busy at this time of the year with baseball, so appreciate the conversation. Hopefully, we'll be able to do this again next week as uh, Texas Tech may prepare for a super regional. Thanks, Carlos. Enjoyed it. Appreciate it, Carlos. Awesome. Once again, I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. This has been another edition of the Red Raider podcast. Appreciate y'all listening. We'll talk to you next time.